what is this thing that I'm doing? What? Welcome. Welcome to my abode. You've stepped into my secret room. You've stepped into my secret solo podcast room, and I bet you're wondering what this is even all about even. Um, <laughs> hi everybody. Welcome to Snapcast. This is a new project uh, that I thought about and really liked the idea, and I, I really wanted to make this, uh, I really wanted to make an attempt to make this happen. So let me explain kind of what this whole thing is about uh, before I jump into the topic of this first episode. Um, so Snapcast is an idea that I had. I've been really into into podcasts lately, and I really I've been really into making podcasts, and I wanted to try a solo project uh, because the two podcasts that I'm a part of right now, Nothing's Perfect in Spagoot's Realms, are fantastic, but they're with uh, co-commentators, and I know that that's kind of like the best format for a podcast. You want to have like that conversational energy going, but I wanted to experiment with the idea of a solo project. So I I thought about it, and I thought. I really want to diversify the content on Snapcube a little bit, so I thought, why not have a Snapcube-centric podcast called Snapcast? Uh, mostly, I just wanted to use the name Snapcast. I'll, I'll stop lying and admit that I thought of the name Snapcast, and I just wanted to use it for something. So, yeah, uh, what the, the way that I pictured this project is a a sort of Q&A-style project, kind of like the impromptu Snapcubes, uh, the Q&A versions of the impromptu Snapcube videos I do, but but mainly audio-based and a little bit more long-form and a little bit more conversational and without the the uh, the, the potential distraction and extra flair of video game footage, which just may, may, it may sound like a downgrade. And you know what? It might be a downgrade. I guess we'll see based on their reaction to this. Uh, but the way I wanted to do this was uh, I'm going to start off... And uh, I'm going to do this first episode, which is kind of like me killing two birds with one stone, and I'll explain why it's like that in a little bit. But I wanted to start off with this concept, and then moving forward, I want to do episodes that are cent that are centered around uh, concepts and uh, subjects that you guys send me, like questions that you ask me that I can build an episode off of or uh, topics that you want me to talk about that I can do, or maybe I can just do episodes where I just do rapid fire, just answering a bunch of smaller questions. We'll see. This is definitely a very experimental project. I have no idea what the scope of this is going to be. I have no idea where it could go from here. I just wanted to try it, and we're going to experiment with it together. And I want you guys to give me your feedback, maybe give me some ideas of what you think this could be, what you think would be cool to see uh, down the road for this project, that kind of thing. So just just fill me in, you know, keep me posted, post those reviews, post those comments, send me messages, send me emails, anything that you'd like. Just tell me what you think. Uh, and we're going to pursue this thing together because uh, it's just something that I want to try. So that long winded explanation out of the way. This first episode, I'm going to be talking about something that I have been wanting to talk about this whole month, and that is my top five favorite games of 2017. Now, the reason why I'm doing this as my first episode is for a couple reasons. One, because I think I, I think it's a good starting point uh, because this is a gaming channel, or Snapcube is a gaming channel. If you're listening to this on Snapcube, then it would be this is a gaming channel. Um, I, I was working on the script for a video version of this topic uh, for the Snapcube channel, 
but I realized that I just simply don't think it's worth dedicating the time to make a full-fledged video version, at least not right now where I'm at currently with the amount of time that I have. Uh, with the time that I wanted to get that video out. I wanted to get it out before the end of December, but that is absolutely not happening at this rate because I just have so much stuff to work on and I didn't think it was worth it to put aside a bunch of other things that I could be working on just to finish this thing that at the end of the day isn't really going to be all that unique from anything else you've seen before uh, because my picks are very standard. <laughs> They're very mainstream. You could probably guess like all five of them if you really tried and if you've like paid attention to like my Twitter feed or, or even just the gaming channel in general or something like that. So I, I canceled the video idea maybe next year i hope next year i would really like to do something like that but i canceled it for now and i thought why not kill two birds with one stone and just move the topic over and not only uh be able to address the topic but also make it the snapcast premiere episode uh because i've had the snapcast idea for a couple days and i and i really wanted to introduce it somehow and i thought this might be a good way to do it and it might be an interesting hook to bring people in so if those people haven't already disappeared <laughs> based on this super long intro, thank you so much for sticking around. I'm going to get into it without further ado. So on the table today, my top five games. But before we get into the top five, I want to talk about some runner ups. I have them listed right now, along with some of their uh, best qualities. Uh, and I'm just going to I'm just going to very quickly go through these. Um, so my first runner up is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Uh, which was just a, a charming as hell game. I, I didn't know what to think of it at first. I I was like, I started like my interest in this game with morbid curiosity. I just kind of wanted to see if it was going to be a train wreck because it sounded like it was going to be a train wreck starting off, you know, like a Ubisoft developed Rabbids RPG with Mario characters thrown in there. I thought it was just going to clash. I thought it was going to be just really weird, and it was weird, but it turns out that it was weird in a very charming and good way. And it's it's surprisingly difficult. Let's get that out of the way. Um, I have failed so many times playing this game, uh, more than I expected. It is not an easy game once you get into the late game and some of the uh, latter worlds. Um, and also, the, the combat system is surprisingly deep. Like, the overworld stuff where you're running around and collecting coins, the puzzles and all that there aren't the deepest. They're very straightforward. Like, puzzles can be solved in, like, at most, like, five minutes at the hardest. I don't know. I don't even think that's accurate. I think that's maybe overestimating a little bit. Uh, so the overworld stuff is more just kind of, like, padding, kind of in between. I did enjoy that stuff, but it's very much not the the main showcase. Um, But the combat system is really cool and it's really surprisingly deep so i'm not going to ramble on too much about it because it is a runner-up so uh absolutely check this out they found a way to make the rabbits really funny and really endearing characters uh so i think it's worth a go definitely check it out oh also i'm gonna actually really quickly preface the rest of this list uh i finished about None of these games. <laughs> I, uh, no, I definitely uh, the the games on this list that can be finished. I most likely did not finish them uh, just because there were so many games that came out this year and so many things that I had to do and wanted to do that. I just did not have the time to finish all the games that I wanted to finish. But 
I want to. I want to finish all of these games because they all hooked me and they all are really, really great. And uh, I will segue that into talking about Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn actually did something that really surprised me. Um, that a lot of uh, modern open world games really fail to do. And that is it pulled me into its world and it pulled me into the story almost immediately. Like that first cutscene, I was hooked. Like I, the world was interesting, like robot dinosaurs in a tribal society. That was like so cool to me. And I wanted to know more instantly. And I, I was, I love Aloy. Aloy is a cutie. She is just a cutie pie. And I wanted to know more about her. I wanted to know her journey and I wanted to know all the mysteries. So it did a great job of doing that right off the bat. And the best part about this game is that because it does such a good job of, of, of hooking you and really pulling you in right off the bat, it makes you want to explore and it makes you want to do the stuff that the game asks you to do. It, it made me want to do side quests. It made me want to learn the mechanics more. And it, it just made me want to play the game, which a lot of modern open world games fail to do. So... If you have a PS4, this I really think is a must buy. It's so good. It is so good. Please give it a go if it looks like your kind of thing. Um, and even if it doesn't, you know, you might be surprised. You might be surprised. So um, up next is is one that I kind of uh, I kind of struggled with putting on the runner ups list, uh, even the runner ups list, because especially recently, there's been a lot of like controversy that I'm hearing surrounding this game. Um, and also just the fact that I haven't even managed to get past the opening part of the game yet. Uh, but I put Destiny 2 on the runner ups because you know what? You know what? It's fun. I've been having a lot of fun with the game. I'm not even done with the opening campaign yet. Uh, so I know that I haven't seen like the meat of the game, uh, but damn, I'm just having like so much fun playing it. Bungie is so good at making shooty games like they made their name making some really good shooty games and the shooties in Destiny 2 are really good. <laughs> so uh, that's that's really all that I wanted. I wanted the game just so I could do some shooties and I, I've been doing some shooties. And I, I just really like progression in video games. And Destiny 2 has like a really, from what I've been playing, it has quite a constant progression. I mean, I'm sure like once you get into like the end game stuff, it, it starts to, you know, slow down a lot. And especially once you've, you know, like exhausted all of the story content and all the DLC content, and like all the raids and stuff like, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, once you get past all that, the progression slows to a crawl and people drop off. But at the beginning, there's a very consistent feeling of progression. You always feel like you're getting rewarded with stuff that is bit by bit raising your power. Um, and that's cool to me. I really like progression. So I don't know. It's just been hitting the spot. I haven't played in a while, but every time I do, I'm like, hell yeah, this is fun. So, uh, yeah, I mean, be weary, I guess. Be wary. Not be weary. Weary means tired. Don't be weary. Get some rest. Take a nap. Be wary, though, of this game if you think you might get hooked in by all the all the shitty corporation hooks. So look out for that. But, you know, I like it so far. Finally, on the runner ups, uh, this doesn't really count as like a like a traditional video game. But the Jackbox, Jackbox, the Jackbox Party Pack 4 is fantastic. It is just great. 
And I mean, like, that shouldn't really come as a surprise to anyone who's, like, familiar with Jackbox games, uh, because they make really good stuff all the time. Uh, but the Party Pack 4 is, like, the first Party Pack in which I think that every game is almost equally incredible and potentially hilarious. And it might be my favorite one to date. It might be my favorite pack today, and uh, with additions like Monster Seeking Monster and Survive the Internet, it is a standout. And I and I really, I really, truly think that this is the one pack, at least that I've seen and that I've personally played, where all of the games are just so good, almost equally. Um, so you know, if you got the money to spare and you got some friends that you can play with. I highly, highly recommend this. Not only this one, but, you know, Party Pack 3, Party Pack 2, Party Pack 1. All the Party Packs, they're great. They're great stuff. Also, really quickly, I have this written down. Uh, I have to tell you about, like, a little pro tip for Monster Seeking Monster. Um, one of the best ways to play the game uh, that I found is to have all the players use a random name generator to hide their identity and play the game without knowing who anyone is. It becomes like so unexpectedly captivating, especially if you like play some sort of character uh, archetype and it turns into like a weird improvisational text based soap opera. Um, it's fantastic. I've, I've that's really the only way that I play that game now uh, with my friends. And every single time it is just a marvel uh, seeing the kind of stuff that that happens and the kind of interactions you get. So definitely try that out if you think that you might be interested in playing the game like that. It's it's a really, it's a nice spin on it. So that's all the runner-ups. So those are out of the way. Uh, spent a little bit talking about those. So now I'm going to go into the top five, the definitive top five. Um, those were not in any particular order, but I'm going to arbitrarily put the top five in order just because that's kind of the way that these things normally go. And I feel like you know, being complacent in normalcy today. So uh, I'm going to do that. So uh, <laughs> just another preface. There's a couple of these that are kind of cheaty. They're a little bit, they may seem like cheating a little bit, but I have, I have explanations for them. They are important to me in different ways. So please forgive the cheating. Um, but with that preface, I'm going to go ahead and get into number five which is uh, all of the exploration I was given the opportunity to do and the new experiences I tried this year. Um, and you may be thinking, B, that's not a specific game. What are you doing? That's not a video game. That's not a video game. And I say to that, you're right. But there's video games in it. <laughs> so I'm doing it. Um, so after just uh, after just talking about the honorable mentions uh, as as like this group of multiple games that were really good but didn't make a single spot on the list, I know that having like my number five spot be a spot with multiple games that are really good but don't take up a single spot on the list uh, seems arbitrary, and it totally is. But the reason why I chose this as my number five is because it it's really resonated with me this year in, in a very special way. It's, it's the, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. It, it's, it's, it kind of mirrors the, the mental process of not only discovering new experiences in video games, but discovering myself this year. I tried new things this year that I had never tried before that I didn't know if I would like. Um, and not all of them were successes. 
but some of them were, and some of them were fantastic experiences that I would not have known about or experienced myself if I didn't step outside my comfort zone. So just for a few examples, uh, Persona 5. I have Persona 5 on, on PS4, and I never played a Persona game before, and I, I always kind of thought that JRPGs, for me personally, were not very interesting or fun, and, and, I, and I always found them just kind of boring for me. And, and like, I... I, I had heard the acclaim behind the Persona series, but I never really felt like trying it until Persona 5 came, came along and, and I had a, I had a PS4 and I had some extra money and I, I heard my uh, my friend Jay Monito talk a lot about how much he liked Persona and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. It looks interesting. Like, like the style of it looks interesting. So I'll go ahead and uh, give it a shot. And I really love it. I really love it. And I haven't played a whole lot of it. I'm only on like the second palace and I haven't played in months, but I was so hooked into the story and I was so in love with the characters and like the combat style still isn't my favorite, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more involved than, uh, than usual like JRPG mechanics in, in, in weird ways in weird, subtle ways that I can't really quantify right now. And like the most impressive thing about the game for me was the fact that the more I played, even like like 12 to 30 hours into the game, there were still new mechanics being introduced to me. And like that sounds kind of like overcomplicated and bad on a surface level. But as you're playing it, it all, it all is like a natural progression that that's that's it, it. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels interesting and it feels fresh and they constantly find ways to make it feel new and great and like. I was really impressed by that. I was really impressed that, like, by the time I got to the second palace, I was still learning about new stuff that I could do and new mechanics were being introduced to me. And, like, I, I, w I would freak out every time. I was like, oh, my God, how are they still doing new stuff? How are they still telling me about new mechanics? Like, I thought that all of that was done. I thought that this was the game that I'm playing. But, no, here's, like, a whole other side to this that I wasn't even expecting. So... That was one of the experiences. Another experience that I, uh, I gave a shot uh, this year was Metroid Samus Returns. I rented Metroid Samus Returns from Gamefly, and uh, it was kind of like my first dive into the Metroidvania genre and really my first Metroid game at all. Um, and I really liked it. Again, I didn't finish it uh, because, you know, a little bit before the end of the game, I was like, okay. I've gotten my fill. You know, I, I understand the game. I've, I've experienced this game to what I think is its fullest or what I what I feel is the fullest for me. Like, I get it. I got it. I got all the power ups, all that stuff. I was good to go. So I, I sent it back, but that didn't change the fact that I really loved it and I, and I really enjoyed my time playing it. And I, you know. It, it was something new. It was it was something new. It was Metroid. I had never played Metroid before, especially not classic Metroid. And it, it makes me excited about, you know, Metroid Prime 4 on the Switch. It makes me want to play more Metroid games. It makes me want to go back and check out some of the old ones. On top of that, we have Nier Automata, which, again, an entirely new experience. I didn't even know about Nier until it was already out. I didn't even know about Nier Automata until it was already out. By the way, I'm going to switch around saying Automata and Automata because I have no idea what the correct pronunciation of this word is. So forgive me for that. But I didn't even know about this game until it came out. And looking at it, I was like, 
this looks interesting. I like the main character design. I, I like 2B. Um, I, I really like the dress, obviously. That that was about it, though. I, I was really intrigued, but I, I didn't know if it was going to be something that I liked. It looked weird. It looked too weird for me. And it absolutely is weird. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a weird game. Uh, not like any other game that I've played before. Um, but that turned out to be a good thing. And, and like, convincing myself and allowing other people to convince me to dive into Nier is, is just one, again, of many examples where I looked at an experience that was foreign to me, something new, something that I didn't expect, something that I wasn't sure if I was going to like, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the step. I'm going to dive in, and I'm going to give this a shot, and I'm still playing it, and, and I really like it. It's, it's a lot of fun, and it's really satisfying. The combat is great. It's really fluid, and, and I love just the, the movement in the game. The general movement is really satisfying to me. It, it's, it's such a small thing to praise the game about, but that is really one of my favorite parts about it. It just feels good to control. So yeah, base, I, I just really wanted to dedicate the number five spot to the idea of exploration and stepping out of your comfort zone, because I did that a lot this year, and I'm better for it. Again, not even just in games, in, in general, in real life, in, in my experience with, with you know my presentation, my identity, obviously. You guys know this. I did a lot of experimentation this year, and I really feel like I understand myself more, and that's good. That's a really good thing, and it's, it's something that I'm excited about. It's, I'm excited to continue my life knowing that I went ahead and got this stuff out of the way and, and, and solidified more of myself so that I don't have to do it in the future and I can move on. And that's good. That's really good to me, and it's, it's something that I don't take for granted, and that's why I thought it was really important to make this my number five. So... Moving on from that, I hope you understand why that one's a little bit weird. This next one's also a little bit weird. Uh, so my number four on the list is Stardew Valley for the Nintendo Switch. Um, now, again, it's a, it's a bit cheating. <laughs> it's a little bit cheating because Stardew Valley was a 2016 game, I think. It's definitely not a 2017 original uh, video game. Uh, but the Switch version was. The Switch version came out in 2017, and that's not the first version that I played, but it's the first version that I loved, and the first version that I really understood. So I really do count it as my first experience with Stardew Valley. I love this game to death. I really want to get back into playing it soon. Uh, I, there's, there's really so much about it that I love. Like, like it's, it's hard for me to even know where I want to start. It's, it's gorgeous, first off. Like the the pixel art, particularly in the environments, is fantastic. The 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 scenery in 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 certain seasons is just breathtaking, and the music was surprisingly really good as well. Like there, like some of the seasons, uh, like some of the themes, some of the town themes in the seasons really had me like jamming out. I was like, hell yeah, this is cool. I wasn't expecting this kind of music from this game, and it, and it really it really goes to show the the multi talented nature of Concerned Ape and and his just his his versatility like making this game seemed like it had to be like such an undertaking but he did it and and apparently he really like learned how to make this game as he was making it like he didn't go into this as like a master developer he was like i want to make this game let me learn how to do it while i'm doing it and i think that that's like really inspirational in a way cuz that's how i do a lot of stuff like editing, uh, special effects work, that kind of stuff. Like I learn how to do this stuff as I do it. And like, it doesn't always come out the best, but 
it is a valid way to make something, and Stardew Valley is proof of that. Um, another thing that I really like about the game is is the fact that there there's this style of gameplay that that it thrusts upon you instantly, like once you get into the game and you've passed the opening segment and stuff, and and that is the fact that it never tells you what to do. It gives you options and it gives you goals and quests, but it never leads you to them if that makes sense it never it never like it never guides you i mean well like okay let me rephrase that it guides you but it never like waypoints you and it never bothers you about it it lets you do what you want to do from the very beginning and that's intimidating especially for someone who doesn't know how to play the game uh me at first um I had no idea what I was doing, and and like it's it's scary at first, and and that's part of the reason why I was like kind of turned off from the game at first. Like I enjoyed it, but I I didn't know how long I was gonna play it or how much I was gonna enjoy it in a long term sense. My first time playing on PC, like on Twitch and stuff, and 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 I didn't quite grasp the idea that it's not a game about instant gratification. It is a it's really a slow burn of a game. Um, I mean, like, in my Switch save file, I was, like, a year in, and I was still just, like, a small-time farmer who didn't understand what she was doing. And, like, I think that that, once I, once I kind of accepted that as the style of the game and, and, like, embraced it, it was really cool. It was really cool. It, it, it was, it was such an, I love subtle but noticeable growths and, and progression, and, this game delivers on that. It really does. And I don't know. It was just so satisfying to see like where you start and and where you can get to. Because knowing what my Switch save file was like at around the end of my playtime with it and seeing what the farm looks like after you start a new file, which I did, like it it, it was almost like mind blowing to me to think like, oh my god, I didn't understand this game, but then I took the time to learn it and I took the time to, you know, study up on it. Not saying that you have to study up on it, you know, it's not like a it's not like a homework game. It's fun. It's really fun to play. It's not like a, a chore. It's not like, you know, reading D D handbooks or something. But you know, I, I did study up on like certain things just because I wanted to understand certain mechanics more. But like really just once I embraced the game is is the way I should word it. Once I embraced the game and what it had to offer and the way that it had to present its fun to me, I was hooked. And all all of the slow progression became satisfying it 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 didn't become a crawl it became a lifetime and it became an experience for me and that was really special and that was really cool to me and of course another plus just on her own is penny i consider penny part of the reason why this game made the top five list uh because penny's the best um the instant i started my first switch save file i uh i knew as soon as I laid eyes on her, that it would be my number one goal above all else to one day ask her to be my wife and live a wonderful, adorably gay farm life together. And of course, that didn't stop me from setting up some sick, nasty crops in the meantime and slaying some rowdy boys in the mines. But it was a very big focus of mine. Uh, and she is wonderful. She's adorable. She's a teacher. She works with children. And she has a really cute outfit, and really cute red hair. So, like, yes, please? <laughs> so Penny's great. 
uh, the girls in Stardew Valley are good. The characters in Stardew Valley are good, but the girls especially. You know, you know how it is. You know how I am. I love me some cute girls. So, yeah, Stardew Valley is really great, but it almost did not make the list. Uh, and there's one, one big thing with Stardew Valley for Nintendo Switch that got, re got me really close to, to reconsidering its position on the list. And that is the fact that the Switch version was, and I don't know how it is to this day because I stopped playing and I'll, and I'll get into that. Uh, but it was, as I was playing, riddled with bugs. Uh, the Switch version specifically. Uh, the reason why I didn't let this, uh, you know, harm its standing on my list too much uh, is the fact that I know it's not an issue with the game itself in terms of design and experience, uh, but it was an issue with the port and it was something that affected my experience um, because the bugs were relentless sometimes. Um, I mean, obviously, if, if you know about the Switch port, you probably know about the fact that there was a very infamous, like, refrigerator bug, which made the game crash every time you tried to sleep and save your game. Um, so basically you were just like in a Groundhog's Day style loop, not being able to save your game and just repeating the same game over and over again. And that sounds, you know, annoying. But what really hit me and made me, you know, see this as the problem that it is or was, depending on the state of the game now, is the fact that a random unexplainable bug made my Switch save file unplayable. I have a 30 hour save file on my Nintendo Switch for Stardew Valley, and I can't play it. And I don't know why it happened. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know why. All I know is that one night I went to sleep after playing it. I saved the game normally. You know, I, I, I went into my bed, I woke up in bed the next day, and I just closed the game from there, you know? I, I didn't close it while saving. I, I closed the game, went to sleep, Woke up the next morning in real life. In real, I should I should say, I should specify in real life. I woke up the next day, uh, pulled up my switch, was gonna get in some nice farming uh, before starting my day, and I couldn't play anymore. The switch, the save file crashes every time I try and open it, and the worst part about it all is that it crashed right after, literally the day after. I finally married Penny, and that is close to unforgivable. It's close. It's it's not quite unforgivable, but it's close. And I was so upset by it, and I still am. A, I mean, I'm sure you can hear my voice. I'm still a little upset with it to this day. Uh, I don't take it lightly. Um, but you know. <sighs> so yeah, I was hoping that the upcoming patch to fix the uh, other save glitch would fix this one but no i really fear that uh this save file that i spent so much time building and working on is forever gone which is why i say that i stopped playing the game and, and i really want to jump back in um i almost made a new save file where i sided with joja the whole time simply out of spite and vengeance to this sport uh, but I decided against it because I had other things to do. I had better ways to spend my time. But yeah, no, that was really, that sucked. That sucked a whole lot. And, uh, it's, it's apparently a very rare glitch. Um, I've only seen, like, one or two other people, uh, on, like, the forums and stuff that talked about this. And since, you know, the Switch doesn't let you access save files, there's literally no way to send the corrupted file 
to the developers and make their job of you know like reproducing it and fixing it any easier so i'm just sitting here waiting for something to happen but i i'm very close to giving up i i um i feel like maybe i should just you know bite the bullet restart if i had restarted right then and there i could have been both where i was at and past where i was at by now but you know what that wasn't how i was thinking i was thinking with hope i was thinking that with hope i could i could get back to my wonderful married life with penny <laughs> but yeah uh they put out a patch that fixed a lot of the bugs but there's still some bugs there uh but none hopefully as uh you know crippling or game breaking so if you want to pick it up on switch I highly recommend it. Having it portable is such a good experience. Seriously. Oh god, the Switch is such a good console. And having Stardew Valley portably was such a good time. So pick it up on the Switch if you can. Just be a little wary of the bugs. Um, but I'm sure they're still working on it. So it, it shouldn't be as bad as it was now. Uh, but hopefully you will not run into the same issues I did. Alright, up next on the list uh, might surprise some of you. Uh, not not really in terms of the game being on the list, but in terms of like where it's placed uh, And that is the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I know number three like what it was a good year for games uh, It will all make sense soon believe me <laughs> But yeah Breath of the Wild I mean, I feel like I really don't even have to go into this game at all I'm going to uh, simply just so you can hear my personal thoughts and, uh, you know, just for the courtesy of it and also for time padding because this is a podcast, so I have to make it kind of long. That's, you know, usually the format. But I, I don't feel like it's really even necessary aside from those things, you know? Like, it's it's been acclaimed, you know, here and there, to and fro, front and back. Like, everyone knows and loves this game, and it's for good reason. Um, It was my first Zelda game proper. Uh, I had played a little bit of Wind Waker uh, HD for the Wii U, but uh, I, I never really played all that much of it. And I enjoyed it, but, you know, it wasn't something that I, like, loved. You know, it, I, I wasn't playing it like, man, I'm engaged right now. I was more playing it like, I'm playing a Zelda game and I really want to play this because I want to play a Zelda game because people like Zelda games. But, you know, I wasn't really that into it. Uh, past an initial, like, this is fun enjoyment. So, like... Yeah, this was my first time, like, really being excited to play a Zelda game and really wanting to to dig in, you know, and really enjoy myself, and it paid off. I could not have asked for a better and more memorable entry point. Uh, there's a lot of great things about it. I mean, like, atmospherically, it is marvelous. Like, from the second you leave the introduction room and you walk outside to see, like, the sprawling world ahead of you, it nails the feeling of placing you in an almost like post-apocalyptic yet like strangely uh, tranquil landscape. Um, and the music, uh, the music has like received a lot of kind of flack uh, for being very understated. But I think that it works perfectly with the atmosphere and, and the tone of the game. It's it's very, it's gorgeous. It, it really is gorgeous, but it's also bare bones. It's It's very broken. Uh, which which is definitely you know just the vibe of the world in general. You're you're living in this world that is living in the aftermath of a calamity of a disaster. So like I really think that it nails it. And you know when the music needs to, it can get you know it can get real. It can get crazy. <laughs> you know it can get really upbeat and in your face. And like so so it's not like it's not capable of doing that. It's just for artistic purposes. 
it stays understated. And I think that's really cool. Um, so other than like the aesthetics though, the gameplay is so unique um in its in its own way and and really i th- i think my favorite thing about the game and the, and the thing that really solidified this as like a fantastic experience was the freedom and when i say freedom in in terms of like an open world game you're thinking like oh you know non-linearity like the ability to to pick quests at your own leisure or the ability to go anywhere or like climb anything and yes i do mean those things but not exclusively when I when I talk about freedom in this game, I don't mean just that. I mean freedom of mechanics. And the game, I I think if 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 I'm correct, I think it uses a brand new physics engine that Nintendo built from the ground up uh and designed the entirety of the game around. I could be a little bit off about that, but I think I remember that being the case. It was a new physics engine, uh maybe not a new physics engine, but just like a new physics system that they built this game around um that gives this game a, a sense of like consistent consistency and and gives it a sense of like if if something works here it'll work here in in like this new skin um and that's like super cool and it makes this game just such a creative experience it's it's it, it's almost like a canvas and, you know, the way you play the game is your art that you're putting on this canvas. And, like, that sounds really weird and, like, kind of pretentious. But, like, that's really, that's that's a good way to describe it, I think. Because, like, it's it's this it's this empty canvas of possibilities of, of things that you can do. Like, like, for example, for example, just so I can, you know, like, focus this in into an example. Um, so, in the game, electricity works like like you would expect electricity to work. Uh, if you touch something with if you touch the electricity with metal the metal will conduct the electricity in in its most basic form that's the way that electricity works uh there are also a couple other things uh but like that that is really kind of like the main hook of the electricity mechanic in this game and there are puzzles that are specifically designed around this mechanic uh for example like puzzles where you move big metal blocks in a certain pattern to tr- to make like an electric current travel down to a receiver or something and and that's all well and good and you know they design these these puzzles specifically around the electricity mechanic and then and the knowledge that you have that it's going to conduct through these cubes um but the most interesting thing is that it works outside of those puzzles and it's so cool because I'm sure that those of you who are interested in, in Breath of the Wild have seen the clip, you know, circulating around. And if you haven't, I'll describe it anyway. It's this clip circulating around where in one of the Divine Beast uh, trials, there is a sort of like a final receiver, a final electricity receiver. And you're supposed to like look somewhere in the Divine Beast for like this orb, for like this electric orb that you you can carry over with your magnesis and place on the receiver and that'll activate the door to like the final room or something. I forget exactly how it goes, but it's something like that. Uh, But the interesting thing is that you don't have to beat it like that. You can legitimately take all of your metal weapons and all of your metal shields, put them on the ground, and move them in a straight line from the electricity uh, kind of like generator to the receiver, and it works, and it activates the door. 
And that is so cool. That is so cool. The fact that like this crazy solution that I wouldn't be surprised if they, if like the developers of the game didn't expect to be in there works. It works flawlessly. If you think of it, it's probably going to work in some strange way. And that is awesome. That is so, so cool. It's like it, every time you discover something new like that, it's like discovering like a, a continent or something like it's really cool. Um, and that is honestly what makes this game so special for me. I mean, obviously, everything surrounding the game is great. The music, the atmosphere, story is kind of meh. But, you know, the world, the world building, the, the, the storytelling through the world building and, and, and like all of the all of the missions and, and all of the, the characters. And like it's, it's so it's so good in general. But that freedom in mechanics is what made this game so special to me. And and I'm sure that, you know, other games have done it like that, you know, like a lot of physics-based games generally have like a concrete set of physics like that that they kind of toy with. But I don't know. Seeing it in like a AAA open world game like this was just like really it was like important to me. <laughs> like like it that's really the best way I can describe it. It was important to me. And I don't know. It was it was great. So go play it. It's really good, um, and if you can't play it, but you still like to experience it and see what it has to offer, might I recommend checking out my super chill and fun playthrough of it on this very channel. If you're watching this on Snapcube, if you're not, go to Snapcube and watch it, because it's, I think it's a fan favorite? I'd say it's a fan favorite. The first episode is one of my most viewed videos. I'd say people like it, so give it a look. Moving on to our number two here. We're getting real close. I bet you guys are getting antsy. Getting antsy on the edge of your seats. You paid for the... Well, you didn't pay for it because it's a free podcast, but you listened with your whole seat and you're only sitting on the edge. That's how the saying goes, right? Anyway, my number two is Super Mario Odyssey. Um, What is there to say about this game that has not already been said, honestly? It is fantastic. Um, And really, honestly, like... The same reasons why I love Breath of the Wild carry over to Super Mario Odyssey. And it's all about the freedom and versatility within a solid set of core mechanics. Um, and that is so cool. That is like so cool. Like, I don't, I don't know. It is legitimately just like the best controlling game I have ever played in my life. And that is not an exaggeration. And it is not something I say lightly. The controls in this game are the most responsive and most versatile I have ever experienced personally, uh, even from past Mario games, like barring maybe a couple like weird but not necessarily bad motion control decisions. This tops all of them. Um, and to expand on that, uh, let me just go into specifics, specifically the versatility that comes with the hat throwing mechanic and and i've talked about this before specifically in like an episode of nothing's perfect but i just want to say i really really hope that in mario games moving forward they don't get rid of the hat throwing mechanic i know that they probably will because this was supposed to be like the staple of this game but i really hope that they don't because it introduces such a versatility of movement that i don't know how they're going to capture again without it and, you know, I say that now and they're probably in the future, I'm going to be like eating my words like they're going to introduce like this crazy thing that like is even more versatile and even more breathtaking. But like, I don't know, I, I can't think of it personally and like I can't see it happening. And and like. So, yeah, the, the hat mechanic specifically, just the amount 
of moves that it adds to your move set and not even the amount of moves but the amount of ways you can chain together those moves it's insane it's crazy and it's so much fun to play around with and it's so much fun to master and and to get a hold of and and to it's really just it is addicting is what it is this game is wonderful it is so full of joy and it is addicting all the way through it's one of the rare games where I wanted to 100% it, like like playing through it, I was like, I'm going to get all of these moons, and I haven't yet, but I want to go back and do it, and like, God, it's just, it, it never stopped being fun, and the reason why this is above Breath of the Wild for me is because of that. Breath of the Wild was a fantastic experience, and it was it was fun, don't get me wrong, it was so fun, but Mario Odyssey is pure fun like it is just pure joy the whole way through especially at the end let me tell you it, it may really just be the ending bit that kind of elevated this game and, I, and i'm not even talking about like post ending because post ending is amazing but specifically the end of the story had my jaw dropping and i'm not going to spoil it for those who are still playing it or haven't played it or whatever or just don't want to be spoiled in general but like oh my god holy crap, the end of the game, there are a couple specific things that happen that like, in retrospect, make perfect sense, and they're absolutely building towards those things happening when you look back on the way that the game is set up, but like, in the moment, you're like, this is crazy, like, like what, I didn't even expect this to happen, and like, ah, Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's such a good game, guys. It, and, and like, not only is it fun, it's like rewarding. It's rewarding and it constantly rewards exploration. If you go out of your way to search for something, you're probably going to find it. And that is so cool. It makes you want to grab every little, every single little thing that you can find. And like, I've seen a little bit of criticism around the fact that, you know, there are a lot of power moons and like a lot of people have said that like, the amount of power moons makes it not special to pick them up anymore after a while. And I get that criticism. I get where they're coming from. But I personally did not feel that way whatsoever. Every single time I get a power moon, it feels just as satisfying. Every single time. And that is not, that's not an exaggeration. To, like, to this day, when I pick up a power moon, I'm like, hell yeah. This feels just as good as it felt like at the beginning. Um... And, you know, that's just from the mechanics. That's just from the design. That's not even talking about the aesthetic of the game. And, like, the worlds are brilliant. Like, oh, my God. Uh, Toast Arena, I think, is is the, 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 the Sand Kingdom world. Like, that place is gorgeous. It's, like, visually stunning. And uh, I forget the, the Luncheon Kingdom. That's what it's called. I forget the name of the kingdom itself. But, like, the Luncheon Kingdom aesthetically is brilliant. Like that, the polygonal, like pastel colors aesthetic. Like I was, no pun intended, eating that up the whole time. And like, oh my God, it was so cool. And the music, like, I can't believe in 2017, a Mario game had a better Sonic the Hedgehog ending song <laughs> than a Sonic the Hedgehog game did. And if you know about the ending song in Mario Odyssey and the ending song in Sonic Forces, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The 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 the, the, the song for the end sequence in Mario Odyssey is so good. And like every, everyone's talking about Jump Up Superstar. And that's a great song, don't get me wrong. But the end song, uh, I think it's called like Honey Loon Ridge Escape. It's so good. I love it so much. 
I legitimately, I love that song so much. I like it more than Jump Up Superstar. It's so good. It is such a Sonic the Hedgehog song. Go check it out, seriously. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even really know what else I can say about it. It's so good. It is so good. So yeah, Mario Odyssey. That's my number two. Uh, now I think you're wondering <laughs> if Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild aren't number one, what could possibly be number one? B? What are you thinking? What are you doing in that stupid fake gamer girl brain of yours? Let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that my number one game of the year is Sonic Mania. I, you were real scared. I was going to say forces there. No, Sonic Mania. Holy crap. This was the game that I needed <laughs> this year, I think. Um, and I think it's the game that every Sonic fan needed. Um... This game was really a crazy experience for me, and not just playing the game, leading up to the game, because I, I mean, I've, I've said this a lot before, and, and this is going to be like a, like a broken record to a lot of people who have watched my content for a bit and just know my opinions about these games, but I was more excited for Sonic Forces than I was for Sonic Mania um, at their initial reveal at like the 20th anniversary, I think it was 20, no, it might have been 25th, it was 25th, I think, the 25th anniversary party that they did. Um, because uh, they advertise Sonic Forces as being like the continuation of the Colors and Generations formula, blah, blah, blah. Every, everyone knows that. And like, it technically it was, but it wasn't very good. But like, anyway, I was really excited for that because Sonic Generations was my favorite Sonic game. And I just really wanted more of that game, more of that level design style and more of that gameplay style. But, you know, we all know what happened. But S Sonic Mania did intrigue me, um, but I wasn't as excited for it. But then... Leading up to the game, it changed. That changed. Uh, as more and more footage started to come out for Sonic Forces and more and more info started to come out and, and it just became a scarier and scarier experience and I just didn't know how to feel about it anymore by the time it came out. Sonic Mania was rising and rising in popularity and with, with you know, public opinion and stuff. Like, like, all of the stuff that came out about that game was just joy from beginning to to release like every single thing that came out about that game just showcased to to like to the core just how much these developers love and appreciate and understand sonic and what makes sonic good and that was so refreshing to see because we haven't gotten that from a sonic project in such a long time it has been so long since it felt like someone really understood Sonic. And Sonic Mania and Christian Whitehead and all the developers behind this game definitely do. Uh, it's visually gorgeous. The sprite work is incredible. The animation is so smooth. And, and not to mention the intro sequence uh, headed by Tyson Hess. Holy crap. He is my favorite Sonic artist. And he delivered. Him and all the other people who worked on that animated intro delivered it is so good i it's it seriously it still is one of like my favorite pieces of sonic animation to this day it oh my god i can't like just thinking i can't i can barely talk about it because i just feel like i want to just make sounds like i like i want to make sounds to express my love for this game like i can't even put it into words like speaking of the aesthetics the opening sequence is great. The visuals are great. The sprite work is amazing. The, the the design is really good. But the music is something else. The music 
is special. The music is important. This legitimately, this again, not an exaggeration. Sonic Mania has my favorite video game soundtrack of all time now. And I say that with no hesitation in my heart. I say that with no jokes, no goofs or laughs intended. T Lopes, if you're out there, if you're listening to this somehow, if you've spent like 50 minutes listening to this podcast, um, you did a good job, buddy. You did a fantastic job. You made my favorite game soundtrack. And I thank you for it because let me tell you, it's something else. Um, and like, I don't know. I felt like leading up to the game, I felt like this hunger in my in my soul and in my hands to control a really good controlling like classic Sonic game. Like I played Sonic 3 and I was like, yeah, this is hitting the spot, but not quite. Like something about the way that Sonic Mania looked like it controlled. I was like, mm, this is going to be something else. And it was. Uh, I, I tried so many games, I tried to play so many platformers leading up to its release, like, trying to have something fill the void while I was waiting for Sonic Mania, and, uh, nothing did, but as soon as I started playing Sonic Mania, literally from the opening section of the game, where you start running around in Green Hill Zone, it feels so good to control, it's so good, the momentum is perfect, the momentum is perfect, and the drop dash is genius like in in retrospect it's such an obvious natural like progression of sonic's moveset and sonic really needed something like that like classic sonic really needed an addition like that some something that would make him stand out from tails and make him stand out from knuckles so that they weren't just like sonic but better like now he has his own thing and it's really cool and i love using it i'm like addicted to using the drop dash and I don't know. I've been going for long enough with this podcast. I could talk about this game for hours. I could talk about all these games for hours probably. And like uh, 2017 was a wonderful year for gaming and it was a wonderful year for discovery and exploration. <sighs> it was a pretty shitty year in a lot of other ways. I'm not I'm not going to lie about that. It was it was pretty bad in a lot of ways, but there was a lot of good too. And and you know, I talked a little bit earlier about the way that I feel about my uh discovery of of self-expression throughout the year and kind of how I've learned to <sighs> accept myself in a different way than I did before. Um, and that really, again, it was mirrored through my experience with these games. And I'm really grateful. <laughs> I'm really like, it's, it, I, I get so corny about these things because like, it's just video games. It's just video games. What are you talking about? But like, they're important. And, and I'm really grateful for these experiences. And I'm, it, it sucked my wallet from existence. It took my wallet and sent it right to Jupiter. But you know what? <laughs> I had a great time and I'm thankful for that. So that is my top five games of 2017, uh, including runner-ups. I hope that you enjoyed listening to me ramble about these things. Uh, this was barely scripted whatsoever. Uh, so I don't know how cohesive it is. Um, I don't know how much fun it's gonna be on a listen through, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And like I said at the beginning, uh, let me know what you think about this uh, this podcast concept and uh, how you think it can be improved and, and like what you would like to see included into the format. Um, so yeah, just, just general stuff like that. Um, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, which I'm probably, or I'm definitely going to put this on there uh, as soon as possible. Uh, please, please, please leave a review. Uh, it really, really honestly helps to leave a review um, and, you know, just like tell me what I can do better, what you like about the show, that kind of thing. And it, it helps get the word out. Um, and speaking of getting the word out, get the word out if you can. Share this with your friends if you think they'll like it. 
Um, and if you would like to send me questions for the show, and if you like to, uh, if you would like to tell me your thoughts about the show and uh, suggest uh, potential future topics about the show, maybe you'd like to learn about some of my history and content creation. Maybe you would like to learn about my opinions on certain things, or maybe you would just like to ask me a question that I can answer in like a rapid fire question episode. Anything at all, anything that you'd like to know or that you'd like to say to me or share with me, send it to me at snapcubeyt at gmail.com. That is snapcubeyt, the letters YT, like YouTube. This is the abbreviation of YouTube. Snapcubeyt at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this kind of opening uh, test episode of Snapcast. Um, I love you all very much, and I will see you later. <laughs>